we are coming live from the van or the truck. It's not a van. <laughs> We've been there before. We are coming live from the truck again. We're recording a second episode because we're heading out of town and we're not going to have our podcasting equipment with us where we're going. Yeah, we'll be technically we have enough podcast episodes already to get us through that trip, but just as a buffer. Just as a buffer. I'd like this, to be ahead. This time, <laughs> I feel like we need to answer some questions. Yeah, that's what we're going to be here talking about, answering some of y'all's questions, because you have sent in some really good questions. They're a little bit all over the place. So this episode's going to be, we'll do timestamps yeah. below, so you guys can, or time codes below, so you guys can jump to a section if you guys are interested in some, and maybe not the others. But um, people have had some pretty good questions from running to creative storytelling to making friends on the road. It's a lot of good stuff. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, and if you're new around here, we're Chris and Sarah. Oh, yeah. Let's we probably introduce ourselves. We should probably do an elevator pitch because we haven't done that in a podcast in a while. We're we're, not? There's not an intro in the podcast? Not really. No, it just says what no one tells you. And then we just jump right into the conversation. I feel like that's an oversight. You know, well, right now we're Chris and Sarah and we are travelers who happen to have a YouTube and an Instagram. Mm-hmm. We document our memories and we have a podcast now. Yeah. So this podcast is a fun way that usually we trap people that we are inspired by or that we're friends with and we get them to talk to us for an hour and call it a podcast. Mm-hmm. And really it's just an excuse to hang out. But these episodes are just answering questions. Hopefully they're helpful to you. Yeah. Hopefully it gives your brain thinking and getting excited about other things. Well, and it and it's called What No One Tells You because we really want what no one tells you. We want the answers. Everybody has heard the same cliched answers. This podcast hopefully isn't that. I'm sure there's some cliche somewhere. I'm sure. This is so these are the questions that y'all have sent in. Um, so we're just gonna jump right into it, which is developing curiosity and making friends while traveling. Hey Chris and Sarah, this is Jen in Georgia. I have watched you on YouTube for quite a while and I'm excited about your new podcast. The question I have is my husband and I have recently purchased an RV and are doing weekend trips right now. I'm curious how you develop curiosity um, because I think for some people entering new places can be intimidating. You know, one of us is naturally extroverted, the other one is not. And um, so engaging with people is one of the ways that you have found community within your travel life and also, um, you know, just met new people who represent their culture. And so I'm just curious, how did you develop that curiosity and how did you do that when it was uncomfortable? Thanks. Jen, this is a great question. And I feel like the answer, you're not going to like it, but it's just be awkward. It is. It's hard. But you're, this is coming from an extrovert and an introvert. I don't know. I feel like we're both a little bit of each. I feel like we're a little bit because you, I feel like you, you can turn it on. And then when your tank depletes, you need your space. Mm-hmm. Like you have to retreat to your space. But I also, I feel like I get more energized again by being around people. Like mm-hmm. I love being out in the woods, but I go crazy being out in the woods for more than a few days. Like I have to be in town being around people. Like I don't like being all the way off forever. Yeah. yeah. You're the, kind of the same way. Yeah. I Like I want to be around people too, but I, I need, I need alone time. I need, I, I'm able to turn it on. I'm able to talk, 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 talk. And like, let's smile. Let's do this. And then as soon as we're done, 
I'm, I just want, I want to put in a podcast. Mm-hmm. I just want to zone out. I want to just have my little alone time. The difference between us, though, is you're better at taking people on, like the text messages and the calls and the questions. Like, that doesn't bother you. Like, to yeah. me, I feel the pressure. Oh. I, okay, like, let's not listen. We don't, this isn't about us. Uh, like, we got to answer Jen's question. Let's answer Jen's question. All right. So, the question in there is she wants to know about how to develop curiosity, how to make friends on the road. Chris is right. You just have to be awkward. That's never fun. In fact, I absolutely hate it. Um, unfortunately, I'm a very awkward person, naturally. We both are. So that's pretty much our day in and day out lives. Um, but I think for us, specifically on the road, since you guys just got an RV, I would recommend when you pull into a campsite, pull into a national forest and you can see somebody next door, pull over, say hi. Like, I know it's awkward to say, yeah. hey, I saw your license plate is from Tennessee. We're from Georgia. Like, yeah. So nice come, to meet you. Yeah. Create or come up with the most generic thing that you can think about, whatever topic that you want. So, oh, yeah, you're from Tennessee. Oh, I heard they have great mountains in the Smokies, you know, or what? I mean, come up with some weird topic and they will answer it. And like sometimes you'll look like an idiot. Other times you won't. But at least a conversation is starting. And then if you have a smile on your face and just because I mean, at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen? They say no. There's some really rude people in the There's world. Some, so I okay. Wanna, I mean, everybody knows this. Like, it's not like they're making friends for the first time. She's speaking specifically to being on the road, specifically when one person's an extrovert and one's an introvert. Yeah. So I don't want to say, here's how to make a friend 101, because, I mean, if that were the case, <laughs> no, you don't need our help on that. You guys are plenty social. But I I think you're, you're on to something, though. No, but I think at the campgrounds, it's easier to meet people because you're walking and some people, a lot of people will be hanging outside their camper. A lot of people. A lot of people. And it just kind of, it, it's sort of this inviting atmosphere of like, hey, I, how are you? Like it, instantly the barriers are, are, the barriers are put down and you don't really have to think about it too much. You can just go. Yeah, but you can tell which people are receptive to having a conversation and which ones aren't. Typically the ones who are willing to talk will have their chairs positioned towards the road or wherever you're at. And they'll maybe have a fire going and you can tell they're not trying to like close themselves off, close themselves off. Mm -hmm. So one thing about what you're saying though, is that some people, yeah, most people are nicer than what you ever expect, but some people may not want to have a conversation. Maybe being out there is their quiet time. You can tell which people are wanting to have a conversation. This goes for anywhere you're camping, whether you are in a national forest or you're in a national park or any sort of campground, the people who have their little lawn chairs positioned to where it's an inviting posture those are the ones you go over and say hi to. Like, just say, hey, you know, and find that common denominator. For us, the icebreaker is always Kramer. A lot of people travel with their pets, and so they'll say hi to Kramer. We'll ask about their pet, and that, there's a bug. Um, and that's just sort of, like, our natural way to start a conversation. Or I feel like we have, like, these five little questions or you know, a few little questions in the back of our mind at all times of how to start a conversation, to ask about them. It's just a good practice. I'm not great at it. I'm working on it. This is something, like, the more we travel and the more we meet people, I try to get better about like always turn the conversation back on them, like learn, always turn the conversation back on them, learn about them. Um, Cause one, it kind of takes the awkwardness off of you to talk, but two, you really get to learn about that person. And then you find that common ground faster by allowing them to talk about themselves. So for me, I always ask like, where are you from? Like, I'm always curious, like you're traveling, like, where are you from? Um, sometimes it's like, who did we meet the other day? And there's a bug flying around your head. <laughs> who did we meet the other day? And, they were from Kentucky and Chris was like, well, I'm from Kentucky. And then you oh, guys yeah. had, you guys, your families were both from the same was, small town. Yeah. Like you just find these awkward conversations and he, I'm like, oh, you're from Kentucky. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Muhlenberg County. I'm like, there, 
obviously you are because nobody knows where Muhlenberg County is, <laughs> you know, if you're from Kentucky. That. And I have family that lives in Muhlenberg County. And instantly his face like lit up and he was like, you know, Muhlenberg County. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm the one of the only five people in the entire world besides everybody that lives in Muhlenberg County. But I think that's the most important question. People love talking about their hometown. They do. It's a, everybody has one. So like people can easily ask you to, but you're traveling. The idea of place is really important. You can ask what places have they been? Where are they going? Where are they coming to? I mean, just those, there's something about camping in RVs or camper vans or whatever you're in. There's like this common shared community idea. So whether you're traveling in some crazy million plus dollar bus or you're in some tiny little camper or tent, there's that common shared interest of being somewhere new. And mm-hmm. I think if you can find a few questions about around travel, maybe ask them what they do, why they're traveling. Do they have family in the area? What do they enjoy doing while they're on the road? For Chris, he enjoys kayaking. So if people have kayaks in their car, that's a conversation toss starter. Yeah. You just find those things that... You have to be curious. Like you genuinely... She's asking how to be curious. I know, though. but you like you genuinely want to know about mm-hmm. their life, you know, or at least you want to hear their answer to what they believe in or, you know, where they're from or whatever. I mean, it it just comes down to the fact of, do you really care? Like when you listen, be authentic. And I know that's such a cheesy cliche, but if you can come up with a few really authentic questions, find out what you're curious about. Like, are you curious about where they're from? Are you, maybe you're um, a parent or a grandparent, maybe ask if they have grandkids or maybe you know, I wouldn't just straight up ask like, do you got grandkids? Cause no. they may be 30 years old and that'd be insulting. But, yeah. or you see, maybe they have Starlink on the top of their RV and you're like, Hey, does that thing really work? You know? And in the back of your mind, you already know it works. You already know, but you're at least having this conversation to hear their thoughts on it. You know, I, I put a lot of pressure on every person I meet. I'm sizing that up of like, will you be my best friend? Like, I feel like not best friend, but I want to know, like, are we going to be really good friends? Like, the second I meet you, I hate when people are like, oh, you're not friends. You're just your colleagues or you're not friends. You're just acquaintances. To me, I meet you. We have a, some shared interest. We're friends. Like, I don't care if you've only talked one time to me. Like, I will go above and beyond for you. Like, I, I will do the best I can to be your friend. And that's your personality. It is my personality. And I know not everybody's like that. So I don't expect that, every, that everybody to be that way for me. So while I am always in the mindset of I want to find out as much about you as possible so we could be friends. Like, I want to learn about you. I want to be your real friend even if we never see each other again. But you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. And I'm bad about remembering that, but I'm trying to remember it more of, I can have a conversation with somebody and we don't have to be best friends. We can share a great dinner together at a campground and then we may never cross paths again. And that's okay. For a while you have that community, but then you'll also find that the people you the people you gravitate towards and you really feel a connection with, you'll keep finding each other. You'll stay in touch. Yeah. There's a thousand ways to stay in touch these days. So like I said, be curious, but to be curious, I think you really need to find out what do you want to get out of being on the road? What are you, why are you guys RVing? And then from that, you could probably find a few questions that you want to ask that would maybe help you pursue a few friends, you know, like to mm-hmm. really find out who would you guys connect with? And if one's an extrovert, one's an introvert, when I'm not feeling extroverted, I let Chris do the talking <laughs> and I just sit there and laugh and then vice versa. Or, um, but I think keeping it low key, it doesn't have to be crazy extroverted throwing yourself into massive potluck dinners at the campground, which are a real thing. Yeah, they are a real thing. (laughs) And it makes us jealous when we walk by the campground and everybody's invited to this potluck except for us because, you know, we just got there that day. Find those common questions and then just put yourself out there. It'll be awkward, but you know what? If it's awkward, 
just drive the RV yeah. away the next day. You're yeah. not stuck there. That's the beautiful <laughs> thing about the RV. You just drive away and you have a good story to tell your friends. You'd be like, you won't believe what happened to this campground this night. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's never than making friends with your next door neighbors at home because like you can't pick up your house if you make it really awkward, which yeah. we have done. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Yeah. So I feel like traveling, it's low barrier. There's low risk. You can do it. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. You guys can do it. Chris and Sarah, hello, this is Aaron and Todd. And first, I just wanted to say congratulations on the podcast, longtime subscribers of your channel on YouTube, and I must say you guys have been a not only an inspiration to our endeavors, but a fantastic wealth of information uh, in the travel space and van life space. So with that out of the way, I have two questions. Number one is related to travel vlogs. So on our channel, we are almost, we are at the precipice of being able to monetize. And so our channel, uh, 15-second elevator pitch, is about how to travel cheap using credit card miles and points. The question is, once we get to our luxurious international destination using credit card miles and points, how do you guys go about crafting a vlog in the location that you've gone to. So we would make a video on how we got to Spain for $26 using points. But then once we get to Spain, it's like run and gun vlogging. And sometimes we struggle on what do we think our audience would like to see in this location. So if you could give, give me some feedback on your approach to vlogging in your destinations. Looking forward to your comments. So Todd and Aaron's question about what to film. This is kind of totally different question than making friends, but I like the creative questions. Mm -hmm. And this is one question I don't feel like we're the best to answer because we're always learning and changing. It's so funny that he said run and gun because I'm like, that's exactly what we do. Life. Yeah. If you don't aren't familiar with the term run and gun, that's you running around the camera and getting what you can. Damn. Yeah. And I think, you know what though? I feel like that's a lot of people. It that's is. A, that's a lot of creators. That's a lot of people creating. They just, you capture as much as you can and then you hope you you have something yeah so i think there's two different ways to go about travel content specifically and that is there are creators out there who will script the drama from every single line almost and they'll go into a place make it look candid but it'll be completely planned and everything everything down to the thumbnail is planned before they even get on location and you know i that's probably the stress three the stress-free option to do it but i view that as it's probably not the most authentic form of travel content. If that's what you're after, then I would probably not recommend that. If you guys are just after making a really great story um, and travel is a theme, then by all means, script it out. You'll save yourself a ton of headache. There have been a few moments we've scripted out, like our talking, our FAQ series are scripted out, mm -hmm. and those are so easy. Like you're on easy. it, you know what you're doing. But if you guys, it sounds like you guys are going to a place and the travel is the experience. And obviously you're traveling because you love it. And if that's where you're at, I'd say... Do your basic research of a place. That's what we do. You do your basic research. You find a few things that are popular. And then I also try to dig a little deeper into things that maybe I haven't seen on Instagram or I haven't seen on YouTube or something. A lot of times it looks like me going to Google Maps and just zooming in on areas like, oh, this looks like a mountain range. Let me see what's in this mountain range. Oh, that looks like a really cool hotel or mm -hmm. that looks like a really cool national park. And then I'll just kind of learn more about it that way. Google Maps is like my best friend for research. But in that, I'd say plan a few things and then from there just allow yourself to experience it because if you're planning out every single shot 
trust me, you're going to miss the experience. And that's happened to us sometimes. A lot of times. And I think one good, one good rule of thumb that we have implemented is that we try to film our experiences mm-hmm. one day, Yeah, you know, and then maybe the next day or even before we film our experiences, we will go get B-roll. So one day is just strictly B-roll. We're not talking to the camera. We're just trying to set the mood. We're getting all these different shots. Because if you're trying to get B-roll and try to film your experiences and, you know, run around town, it, it's, it's just too much. Like you can't, you can't do everything. So if you have set days of where, where you're filming specific things of, you know, hey, we're going to film all our B-roll of this city or this place or whatever today, it just takes the edge off. It takes the edge off so much. It's easier for him, though, because he wears a black T-shirt every single day. It's harder for me when I wear at least a little variety. That's what the pros do. Because if we'll film, like, B-roll one day, and then we go back and actually do the talking head experience, talking over it part another day, I have to match my outfit. Or sometimes I just, like, don't care anymore, and I just, you'll notice discrepancies. And you're wearing a different outfit. This is all supposed to be the same day. That's what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. But Chris is right. We like to go in and we like to do the B-roll first, typically because the B-roll, you're enjoying it. You're more present. I enjoy the B-roll more because you get to be a little more artistic with it. Mm-hmm. You go in, you get the up-close shots, you get a really experience. You try a lot of things, find out what you really love and what's worth featuring. Because sometimes you may get B-roll stuff and be like, I don't really think that's worth putting in the video, but it was fun for a moment. You experience it authentically the first time and then you go back and then you do the talking head to show people what's up or the other option is to do a voiceover we'll do a combo of the three but i think there's sometimes like you can't go through and do every experience twice like we didn't try on handbox twice in korea we didn't do a food tour and guangzhou market twice and you don't know what you're going to experience Mm -hmm. when you do when you do these things you know you want to experience that but you can't script it you can't script that the dress doesn't fit or that it you know or you just do something wrong or say something stupid or you know, you, you can't do that. So that's the hard part about what we do is that you, while you have an idea, that's great. But at the end of the day, you just have to be flexible and go with it. You know, when it, when it comes to filming experiences, because you, especially if you want it to be authentic, because I feel like you can watch people and you're like, that, that just seems really scripted. Like, why did that happen so perfectly? Everything always goes wrong with you guys. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's because it probably is scripted and it's not real. But it gets really good views. So if that's what you're after, like, don't listen to us because our views are not that good right now. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's kind of our advice. Like we go at it as we want to be as authentic as possible on camera. And I think another thing, you've probably been able to see this in some of our videos where we're more interested in a place than others. And that's not because we didn't think a place was good. It's just that some things really pique our interest when we get there more than something else does. So I say... Always, always, always do what you want to do. Do not just do what you think is going to get searched on Google because Google plays a part in YouTube. You can play the SEO game, but ultimately if you're getting viewers and they can tell that you're not super engaged in it and you're not being your real selves with it, they're not going to subscribe for following your journey. They're going to get their information, they'll watch, yeah, but they're not going to stick around for a long time. And we've fallen into that. We've gotten some viewers off of SEO and trust me, they don't stick around. So do what you want to do. Don't just go on the 10 most popular restaurants in, on Google or Yelp or whatever when you're going to a town and then do all of those in one video and then throw it up on YouTube in a, in a video and then, yeah, you'll SEO the heck out of it. But are you having fun? Like those 10 places may be great, but if it's not really what you do in real life, it's not worth it. You get one chance to go to these places for most people. Yeah, and I think, I think another thing is 
just try to make the best video possible. Like the, give a good story, do something. Like if you do, if you put your heart into it and you're like, I'm going to make this as best as I can. People will notice and people notice when sometimes, sometimes, but they will over time. Sometimes. Over, yeah. But they can tell when you don't. They can tell. They can also tell. We get comments a lot when it's a one that we got really excited about. They're like, oh, I can tell you guys are really excited about this. You're like, you're glowing. Like, you're yeah. really enjoying this. And yeah. it's nice to hear that people can tell a difference. Maybe it's not good. People can tell a difference when we're really excited about something and also when we're really not. Yeah. Because um, even if it's a good video, sometimes you don't look like you're totally there. It'll show. So I'd say deciding what to film, that was the question. How to decide. I'd say find a few things that are like your guiding points of like, okay, we want to feature 10 things in this video. Here are three things that we think we should fit in that are in different areas of town and we'll just wing it from there. That's what I would do. That's yeah. typically what we do. And then sometimes something completely random will happen and it's a great opportunity. If you see something and your gut says, oh, this could be a really cool once in a lifetime opportunity or right, this really interests me, just go with it because you're always going to wonder if it was a good thing to, that you should have gone to. Yeah. This is like more of travel advice versus just filming advice. But I think it goes for everybody. It goes for the same. And like, have your phone on you, you know? Yeah, like, your phone's always handy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, have your phone. If you have an iPhone, an Android, whatever, pull it out. Maybe you don't have the camera, pull out the phone because guess what? You're still capturing it mm-hmm. and people will still watch it. Yeah. yeah. And phones have gotten really good. Yeah, it doesn't have to be artistic. It just has to be captured. Yeah. And I have to tell myself that and I struggle with that every day because a lot of times... I'll pull out the camera and I'm like, yeah, this shot, it just stinks. It's not very good. I don't want to do it. And then I miss the entire moment and I just don't do it. And, um, and we have to like suffer. And then when I'm, when we're editing, it's like, oh, I don't have footage for that. I'm like, if I had only pulled it out at that moment, it it would have been better. You know, it just would have been better. So just film everything. Everything without letting it get in the way. This is where you and I differ sometimes is you always want to have the camera and I like to just absorb it. Oh yeah. Be present. Sometimes it's the camera can get in the way, but absolutely. At the end of the day, make what you want to make. And for us, I know that the videos that we captured and really enjoy the memories the most are the ones that we go back and rewatch for our memory's sake. Yeah. When we do something just because we think it'll make a good video, we don't go back and watch those. Not usually. No. Every now and then we get some quirky one that actually is a funny memory. But generally, gen- generally speaking, the ones that are truly what we want to do. Those are the ones that are the ones that are worth making. Oh, one more point on that. I think also that YouTube in general, there's so many creators out there right now, but especially the travel industry is so saturated that if you want to stand out, you can only be yourself. Like you can copy someone else and someone else's style and what they're doing and go watch other people's YouTube videos and do stop by stop of exactly what they're doing. And I don't think that's what you guys are doing. That's not what I'm saying. I haven't seen your stuff yet, but I don't think that's what you're after here because you're curious about what to make and how to make it good. But I'd say that there, the industry is so saturated right now and that the ones that stand out are the ones that seem a little bit different. And that goes for us too. Sometimes when we just do things that are more cookie cutter, it doesn't stand out. No, you have to be, you have to be a little different and you have to be yourself. <sighs> be true to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this question comes from Linda and she was wanting to know if we could talk a little bit about our passion for, videography and photography she asked specifically for chris to speak about it but i guess it's it's both of us this is a 50 50 game say it like i don't know why no offense to linda um but a lot of people think uh, yeah i film quite a bit but sarah films quite a bit too and sarah takes a heck of a lot of better photos than i do um but every a lot of people always 
ask me. And I'm like, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Like I, we're both in this, it's a team effort. And, um, so yeah, Chris is more the just to, like, and this isn't like Linda is not the first person, Linda, you're not the first person at all. So like, we totally get this. We're not offended by any means. Um, but it's, this is where we're both like a little bit of teamwork where Chris is like a really magnificent editor. Like he is the editor. I'll throw in my ideas. I'll pick songs. I'll give an idea here and there. But for the most part, he takes the video and runs with it. Like we'll talk about the, the storyboard a little bit and the vision we have for it. But at the end of the day, he's the one who's hitting all the keystrokes and making the video happen. I'm not. But the actual capturing it, the video and the photo, I think I'm probably more knowledgeable you're, on the cameras than... Oh, you're 100% more to, knowledgeable. Not to not no. keep it. Like, I think I enjoy the actual in-camera process of creating. And you, you do. Enjoy the, what we're saying is that it's a 50-50 thing. And so I'm going to address it both. And I know that's just... A, it's a super common misconception about both of us because Chris is the video editor. And so a lot of times we give credit to Chris. But from the creative side in camera, I think this is a, both of us addressing this one. Absolutely. Um, so... Super common misconception, actually. Um, so, Chris, we'll let you talk first, though, because I talk the most. What inspires you to create? Where did you start? I always Can we share the story of the first wedding you captured? Can we just go back that far? Can we why, do we, why do we need to venture back that far? So, both of us started video and photography yeah, way I, back in, like, middle school, high school. We got our first cameras. So, I grew up in Kentucky, and my high school was a very agricultural school. Is that right? I, it's like, a county school. Yeah, a county, a, yeah like like we had National Tractor Day at my school. I didn't fit in with the tractor kids. I fit in with the AV kids. Was 4-H really big? 4-H was huge. I was homeschooled. And, I can say that. Yeah, I, and I FFA was, FFA was huge. Yeah. And um, and so I just didn't fit in with that crowd. And I always loved making videos. I loved watching movies. Uh, my favorite movies were Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, all of this. And I'm like, I love it. And then when I finally started to like do it in high school. Like I got to do the video announcements. Um, I loved it. So I, um, one of my, one of my very first jobs was every time you start to tell this, one of my very first jobs was filming a wedding. And I'm like, I have made it. I'm 17 years old. And this, this lady, you were 17. I was 17. I thought you were at least 20. No, I was 17 years (laughs) old. This lady was like, I would love for you to film my wedding and I'm like, I love the camera. I know how to film it. Of course, I'll do this. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was going to do it anyway. And unbeknownst to me, like this lady was having a very large wedding at a very large church. Who so, hires, who who's having a large wedding look, hires a 17-year-old boy? She spent all her money on this venue and this wedding, and she forgot to pay for the videographer is literally what happened. I know that's what happened. So she paid me like 50 bucks, I don't know, something. And I get to the wedding and I would go to the soundboard where the, the lighting guys are. And I'm like, hey, is this how the lights, is this is this how it's going to be? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, perfect. And it was just me filming. So it was me and I had three cameras and two were on a tripod. And then I was holding one. And then the wedding started. And then all of a sudden, the lighting board guy felt moved. And he lowered the lighting to set the mood. And all of my cameras were just they were set on the wrong setting wrong. And so the bride is walking down the, down the aisle and you can't see her. Like I feel so bad now. I I'm zooming in and it's just like, she's like one pixelated blob just, just <laughs> like walking down the aisle. And so weeks go by after the wedding and I'm editing her video and I know exactly, I know exactly what she's about to see. 
and I handed her the DVD and she's like, I can't wait to watch it. And I'm like, I can't wait for you to watch it too. And then she never called me back after that. I did get paid my 50 bucks first, but I feel so bad. But yeah, that was my first experience filming. But after that, but I still love creating though. I loved, you know, watching music videos and I'm like, how do they do that? You know, I would watch Jack Johnson and he would do this uh, walking backwards, whatever that song is. And, but it was filmed backwards, it, but he, fi- he filmed it backwards and they played it forward and it was so cool. And I'm like, how did they do that? I've and never seen that. It's so cool. It's, uh, it's on his banana pancakes album. That Upside it, down? It's not, no, it's before that. Oh, banana pancakes. Um, it, um, I was waiting, wishing, wizard. Blah, blah, blah. I was sitting, yeah, waiting, yeah. Wishing. It's that song. Yeah, yeah. And so oh, okay. everything, so he filmed it backwards and then played it forward and weird i haven't seen so cool and i remember watching that i'm like i want to make things like that and eventually i started just making things you know because people were paying me and um and then it became a means to an end you know and it just sort of morphed into i really like doing this i enjoy what i'm doing and people were paying me to design business cards or paying me to edit a video and i just kept doing it and i wanted to learn more yeah, you're good about Chris is really fun to fun but also annoying to watch TV or a movie with cuz he'll sit there and he'll pause it and say, "Wait a minute, how'd they do that?" And he'll break it down shot by shot over sitting there and I just want to hit play. But <laughs> it keeps him creative and he enjoys breaking it down. Like that's a whole different side of creating than I just like I I enjoy talking to him about it, but I don't get that. I like the in-camera stuff. I'm sorry I had you rehash that wedding story. I just I know it has nothing to do with your passion. No, it could have killed your passion, I it suppose. It could have killed, but you know what? You <laughs> it's know what so really funny. You know what? I, I didn't even think about this until now. What really like drives my passion? Not really drives it, but what it was the moment I'm like, I love doing this. I made a video and it was a recap video for a conference and I got mm. to watch it the same day. Like I edited and then they played it to like 500 people the same day and all these people were laughing or they were crying, you know, like whatever the whole video was. And I just remember I'm like, I'm making people feel things. Mm. And I loved that. Yeah, you, yeah, for sure. I think that's one thing that we share is we like people making people feel things, whether that's a happy emotion. Generally, we want you to feel happy when you're watching your stuff or seeing your stuff. But also, like, sometimes you want to convey a more difficult emotion and being able to do that's important. Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's lighting, sometimes, I don't know, whatever it is. I think being able to pull people's emotions out is largely what's important to us with capturing a story and sharing it. That's something we're constantly learning and trying to get better at because we want you guys to feel what we're feeling in that moment. And that's so hard to do when you may be thousands of miles away. Maybe you'll never or have never mm-hmm. been to this place. Um, but it's really, we want to be able to like, you can't like, so say we're in the Washington forest. You may never have been to Washington and you may never go there, but we want you to understand how crisp the air feels and how strong the trees smell and you know, how beautiful the sunset is. And so we have to like play with the story to kind of make you understand what that's like. So that's where my passion comes from is like trying to convey to you a story or to tell a story through the mm-hmm. photos or videos and light. Lighting is a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like I like to pay attention to light. I had an art teacher years ago who said, just pay attention to light. He's like, don't do anything this week. Just watch the light and take note of how it hits against something. Like watch, is it hitting from the side? Is it hitting from the front? And then when you start really slowing down and paying attention to the light, you start to see things in a new way. And I really love that and being able to capture light. Light is so hard to capture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. But also I love, I always wanted to do photography so I could 
travel. Like that was my thing is I wanted to be able to tell stories of people in faraway places, yeah. people and things. So we've both talked about how we got creative and how we like photography and videography. What continues to drive us, I guess. Like, is there anything in particular that. I think what continues to drive me. If it makes me feel something or if I, or if I see I really shouldn't be emotion based, but I I know I am. Every artist does. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think hearing other people be like, I, that really resonated with me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's what drives me. I don't have to hear affirmation all the time. I think it's just, did I feel good? Did I make the best thing that I could out of that? Do I feel accomplished after that? Mm -hmm. That feels good. Yeah. I don't think you rarely get affirmation. We get YouTube comments, but besides that, I mean, those are amazing. We thank you guys for when you do tune in, but most of the time, even if we didn't get comments, we'd still like creating because we want to know that we, I don't know, made you feel something. Linda, that was a good question. Like I, I like talking about why we're creative or why, what inspires us to be creative. Cause I think it, it's a good reminder why we do it. Sometimes you get stuck in like the business side of it, but yeah, asking ourselves why we create is a good no, that's a great that's a question. question. It is. It's mm. a great question. I think getting to know the why behind you do anything is really important. So if you're watching this, um, the sun is setting here, and you'll notice that the cameras are getting darker and darker. And unfortunately, we don't have a team running each camera and changing the lighting because of the sun. So uh, we're going to probably do another question and then probably wrap it up. So the next question comes from our friend Bethany, who asks, how do you all stay healthy while traveling? Is it hard to keep workout routines while on the road? Oh, my word. That is a hard question because, yeah, it is hard to keep workout routines on the road, especially when you're traveling to new places and a lot of the culture is food. And mm-hmm. I will stand by that. You know, like you will. So much good food. It's so much. I mean, no matter where you go, they're like, what, what is something somebody tells you about a place? Go here to eat. You have to try this. This is the best donut in the world. And on the hunt for that one still. I know. But I and I feel like for us, we have to constantly remind ourselves every day is not vacation while we're traveling. That's true. There's a big difference between vacation and travel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of practical things. Um, We started using one running is like the easiest thing ever. Running and walking are the easiest things ever to do around the world. And it's a great way to see the places you're going. So sometimes we'll just walk eight miles in a day and that might be our entire workout because we've walked eight miles and 90 degrees in Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> wherever we're at. And that's the workout for the day. But more often than not, we will go to hotel stairs. Like that's one of my like hotels or Airbnbs. If you stay in a high rise, yeah. everybody has an emergency like fire escape and generally, generally you don't set off the alarm when you go into it. So we go to the, <laughs> the stairs, like specifically um, Mexico city. We had like a 13 floor hotel and we just up and down up and down up and down that was like our workout when it was either too hot or it was dark outside we didn't feel comfortable running outside because we didn't have a gym um yeah so finding stairs going for walks yeah also hotels i know we've talked about how excited we are to be back on the road in a truck but if you are not in an rv or a truck or a van or something and you're looking at airbnbs or hotels we always look for ones that have decent gyms Mm because that allows us to stay healthier easier yeah and i think one of the things that we have on our phone that we use all the time at home and on the road is the peloton app we pay for peloton and they have really good like 10 20 30 minute um, workout videos that are like you can pick if you have any gear or maybe you don't and 
they they kick our butts sometimes. Yeah, they're good. We started using that before we ever got the bike, and that was just I was trying out different apps. I've tried so many in the past. Nike has a lot of free workouts, and theirs are great, but I had worked through so many of those, and I wanted to change. So last year we joined Peloton, and that's when we, we loved those workouts so much when we were traveling that we ended up buying the bike because we had been so consistent with that for yeah. so long. We thought, hey, we like this. Let's keep let's go ahead and invest in the bike. Yeah. Um, but it does, yeah, so, like, they have, like, cardio and strength. And, yeah, I think it's, like, 20 or 30 bucks a month. But considering a gym membership back home is, like, $85 a month, it's not that bad. No, no. And I think for us, especially when we're traveling, we're out, probably if we do it more in the morning, it'll more likely get done, yeah. you know, especially if we – before we go out, you know, and have a full day of travel and do all this, because otherwise, you know, whether you're driving a long time or maybe you're in a different city internationally, it's hard to get motivated after you've done all the activities to come back and be like, okay, I got to work out for an hour now, you know? It goes when you're at home too, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they just got to get done. I know we're obviously the perfect people to listen to about this topic (laughs) since we're the picture of health here, but believe it or not, in our better days, we have biked across America multiple times and we have run marathons and done sports teams. Like we've done it all. Like we enjoy being active people. Like we enjoy eating, but we also really enjoy being active. And I think, I think the one downside of traveling for me is that it is so much harder to train for something in a larger capacity. Like since we've been traveling extensively, I don't think I've trained for, Oh, we did. But I also really didn't put that much effort into training for a full marathon. It's, we're on the road. it's hard. It's, it's so hard because you're constantly changing towns. Even if you're in one place for two weeks, in two weeks you have to move on. And it's trying to figure out where it's safe to run or, you know, the time schedules when you roll into town. Like, it's already dark. I will not run at dark. Um, stuff like that. So, like, it's, it is, not to make excuses, but it is much harder to set, like, larger goals when you're traveling consistently. Mm-hmm. So, instead of, while I miss training for a marathon or I want to train for a bike tour again or something and that will hopefully happen soon but um in the meantime we're focusing on just like getting healthy as a like as a for enjoying the sake of getting healthy versus like a goal so while usually the goals motivate us right now we're having to look at okay I don't get to train for some really fun marathon I just get to be healthy for the sake of being healthy yeah and that's where we're at so there's a lot of different ways to stay active, but ultimately walking is a great way to see a place when you're traveling and it's good exercise or running. We've done running before. Like sometimes we'll just like put on our, our running backpacks that we do. Like we have like the hydration backpack that we wear for really long runs. And sometimes we'll put that on. We're in a city. We'll put a couple snacks in there put our keys and then we'll just go. And it's, I love those days. And then whatever workout app that you want to download, it doesn't have to be Peloton. We enjoyed the Peloton app, but there are plenty of YouTube channels. There's mm-hmm. plenty of apps out there that you can take on the road with you and um makes it easy or yeah we always carry i say we always we haven't gotten one for this truck yet but a yoga mat and then we used to carry one small pair of dumbbells and a kettlebell which is extra weight in the truck we know but it's also our health so we kind of prioritize the weight in the truck for that yeah and you have the running weights too oh i do have like little tiny running weights there i love those things actually um i forget what they're called are they egg weights i think mine are two pounds but they're designed for running. So they just give like an extra little bit of workout. I don't remember what like the estimated percentages that you work out or burn when you're using these things, but I love those. So if I am running short on time and I don't have time to do, you know, arm strengthening after I go for my run, I'll carry those weights. I do. I carry those weights on most runs though. And it's just like a little bit of extra tension. It keeps the upper body engaged. I love those things. Those were like, I think like $30, but I've used those yeah. for years now. So All that's right. one more thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's what we do. As always, it is important 
do please leave us a review. I hate to be that person begging. We've always been really good about not like leave that thumbs up, you know, (laughs) be sure to hit that like button or smash that like button or whatever they do on YouTube. But for podcasting, especially it's important on YouTube, but podcasting, if you haven't already, please just give us a quick rating and or a comment review on iTunes, iTunes and Spotify both take ratings. I iTunes takes reviews too. And it could be just a sentence. doesn't have to be a ton, but it does help get us in front of a lot of people. iTunes does prioritize those who bring in a lot of reviews. And as the sun is going down in the forest. <laughs> Turn <if> silhouettes. You, <laughs> and if you have a question that we didn't answer, or uh, maybe you think that, you know, we would be somebody, maybe, or maybe you think that we would have a good answer for you. Um, you can email us at hello at com, or you can call the phone number, 423-825-9572. And you can leave a voicemail or text message there. And then hopefully we'll do another episode like this where we answer your questions. And if we missed your question, we do have some that we didn't get to. But if we missed your question, we're still going to try to get to that. So stay tuned for that. All right. We'll see you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to What No One Tells You with Chris and Sarah. If you have a comment or question that you want answered on the air, be sure to send us a message to hello at chrisandsarah.com or you can call or text our phone number at 423-825-9572. Thanks for listening.